0: Welcome back to the Deep End podcast. I'm your host, Sam. And today I have a very incredible guest that I'm so excited to have a conversation with. This person is EJ Love. EJ Love is an intimate relating teacher and sexuality mentor, and the author of the international best selling book, Become the One, host of the Deep Sexy Play podcast, and founder of the Intimate Relating Teacher Training Program. She has worked in intimacy and conscious relationships for over 12 years and has helped thousands of men and women one-on-one with empowering themselves sexually and intimately, and has become one of the most credible and sought-after love and intimacy experts in Australia. Her journey began working in the sex industry as an escort, which led to offering tantra and sexual healing services. She also led the self-marriage movement in Australia, which went viral on the internet, and she has been featured and interviewed for her work on Australian and international TV, such as The Morning Show, Sunrise, and Fox News. She mostly works now mentoring other people who are also desiring to create real connection and change in the world through running their own events and client sessions in the fields of intimacy, relationships, and sex. She does this whilst continuing to openly share her uncensored personal stories that are vulnerable, deep, sexy, and enlightening. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for being here, EJ. Yeah,
1: that was that was amazing. I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Thank you. You are amazing. Um so EJ and I yeah. met
0: through we met um through Enlightenment in the bedroom you did a, a speak a talk there we met through sarah one of our sarah is one of your clients and also collaborators and sarah is a friend of mine sarah at least embodiment um and yeah we have so much in common so much in common and then when we went for breakfast yeah. i learned so much about you and i'm so excited to hear this story in in a way that's going to just i know inspire so many people so I'd love to begin with that. What has been your inspiration in doing the work that you do? Yeah,
1: I think I've had many, many inspirations. And it's really as so many of us in this field, like going through our own personal experiences, my work with um my work with intimacy and relationships has definitely come from my own journey being through like many toxic unhealthy relationships experiencing narcissistic abuse and really realizing how codependent I was and and not even knowing that I was codependent or that codependent actually I thought codependency man this is hilarious when I first heard about codependency I thought codependency meant, uh, meant that um my partner was addicted to drugs and I was like yeah I've been with lots of codependence <laughs> that's <laughs> literally what I thought it was and then when I started researching after um back in I think it was 2015 that I came out of a really like the worst toxic relationship i would ever been in I think it just if it doesn't um if we don't heal I feel like it often gets worse and worse until we realize that actually I have to like I have to end this pattern and I have to do something about it. And that was me. So uh, once I left that relationship, that's like, right, I've got I've to do anything I can to heal myself. And as I was going through that healing, I was having this realization. It was like this is what I want to help people with. This is what I want to support because I've been stuck in this dynamic for so long and so confused and frustrated by it and, and in so much pain that I want to support other women in particular who've who've been through that.
0: Yeah. So what I really loved about um your story is just how empowering it is because that's what led you to write your book, Become the yes. One. And in the in in your book you go into extensive detail on like what happened for you. Mm. And I, and it's quite practical as well, practical guides on how to like um, grow out of codependent patterns and become more interdependent.
1: Yeah. So the focus is really on becoming whole within ourselves and you know really exploring the parts of ourselves that we don't love that are being unconsciously played out in our relationships. So yeah, and all the different patterns that happen. So for me, I was very much a rescuer, caretaker, attracting people that were in often the victim role, and I felt that I was empowered being in that role, but then also would end up feeling like the victim, and 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 then just feeling so confused. So the journey in the book is really about my my story, which is going to say is pretty wild, is 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 I've read it and wrote it and I was like wow this is really out there and so many things so many times sorry that I've had people that have read the book particularly the first few chapters which is really the focus strongly on my story have said to me I felt like you in my head I felt like I wasn't alone I felt like I wasn't crazy I felt like relief because I think that what happens is when we go through some these relationships particularly that are really toxic that we do think that we're so alone that no one else can understand and then we question ourselves we question oh am I crazy like what why have I attracted this why does this keep happening to me what's wrong with me all these questions and then to have other people share their story which is why doing podcasts and things like this is great because this is a chance where people lots of different people get to share their stories we feel like oh actually that this happens to a lot of people and particularly and I think I spoke to you about this when we had breakfast one day was that when I started learning about narcissism in particular and I started like all these Facebook groups support groups I was like with hundreds of thousands of people and I'm like wow this is something that is like an epidemic that no one is really speaking about unless you've been through it and you're seeking help it's like it's almost like it happens underground is because right now like I you know I'm in a really healthy relationship and that's so foreign to me now to even think about having like being in that dynamic and I could go around walking around my life. I just have no idea that there's people out there in abusive relationships or experiencing that if I had never experienced it before.
0: Yeah, that was one thing that I, you know, I, you were in quite an abusive relationship, which I haven't experienced to that extreme on the spectrum. However, I resonated so much with the aspects of your story that were around the theme of narcissism, you know, because I have been in relationship with narcissists professionally and intimately. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I can walk away with that experience having is like just this empowerment, you know, like I lost myself and you lost yourself like completely. And That's the codependent, you know, we lose ourselves completely, our sense of self, who we are. When we learn that lesson, I feel like I know I'll never make that mistake again. So, mm. what was it like for you? Like, what, what, what do you feel comfortable sharing around that story that you shared with me that morning we had breakfast? Like, like I can I just, share everything. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's just such an empowering story. Yeah.
1: Is there anything specifically you want me to talk about from from what I shared, or just kind of flow? Yeah, well, I really liked um,
0: I liked all the details because, you know, you went from being in the sex industry and you're sharing about that and you're sharing about, you know, how that came into your relationship. So I feel like you just whatever you feel from the get go, even like I just want to I, I I love the whole story, even though it's sad. Mm-hmm. And really confronting, I think that there's just so much power in yeah. in your experience and your journey. Like, where were you at at the beginning? Like, who were you? Who was EJ when you met this man? And then, you know, from that point to the the yeah. end, which I don't want to give away, like because <laughs> the EJ that came out the other side was not the EJ that went into that
1: relationship. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Cool. So okay so when I met um my ex-partner I was like really into spirituality i was be- had been on this healing journey and I was also working and in as an escort and I was also um, i just i'd probably been working in Tantra as well for a couple of years and I felt really empowered I felt really strong i was um, financially I was doing pretty pretty well and I felt like I was in just a really great place. And so when I met this guy, I wasn't really, I didn't feel like I was coming from this, like, oh, I need someone. I'd been single for probably about four years. Like I felt okay being single. I wasn't even looking for a relationship. And this guy came in and, and blindsided me, I guess you could say. And saying that, what I will say is I had had some relationships previously that were Tended to be quite casual, where I did get hooked in quite quickly and I did get attached quite quickly. And these were people that were, um, tend to be more on the avoidance side of attachment. And, uh, I, I have tended to play the anxious avoidant dance depending on the person I'm with, either being anxious or being avoidant, depending. And, um, and so with these men that were not as available, I tend to get more anxious. And so I had codependency from like that that anxiety that would come up when someone wouldn't be fully available to me. And so that was also attractive to this person. So this person that I met now I know was uh, what's called head's covert narcissism. And they seemed really spiritual and really loving and really kind and all the things. And I was like, oh my God, this is the perfect man. Like this person's amazing. And even on the – I think it was the, se- the second time we met, he called me his twin flame. He was like, oh, I, like, I think you're my twin flame. And the hilarious thing was the last guy I was with, I thought was my twin flame, the guy before him. <laughs> and um, my, my opinion about twin flames is that there's a lot of codependency. There's a lot of spiritual bypassing and codependency that is happening and people um, get hooked into this um, twin flame uh, thing and uh, searching for answers when really they just need to actually heal their wounds and their trauma related to intimacy and relationships. And so, um, so yeah, so I was like, oh my God, now I've got this guy who thinks I'm his twin flame. This is amazing. And I just got hooked in really quickly. Uh, we moved in together really quickly. And then stuff started happening where he started just accusing me of things. He was still talking to his ex and he was just, um, he was still actually in the in the dynamic with her and using me as what's called narcissistic supply and so it was so tumultuous and up and down there's a lot of like just basically playing off my triggers I had a lot of triggers around other women and betrayal and he really used that and because I had been working so when we met I has I was still working as an escort and he basically said to me that he didn't um want me to work anymore. And I made a decision to not work. And but then he got really upset that I'd seen those clients that when we first started. And it was just really, really messy. And it was always something to hold against me. Like there was always something that he could use against me about other men. But yet behind my back, um he would actually be seeing other women. And he any guy that messaged me was like someone I must have slept with or someone I must have been with. And it would like there were there were days where I was praying like for no men to message me like don't please don't message me please don't message me like because if a man messaged me he would go into he would get triggered and make up a story that I must have been with this person or I was interested in this person and so and it was very like what people like this do is they find the triggers and the weak spots and the vulnerabilities and they deliberately play off them and create such a lack of safety. So I felt like I could not be, I was not safe to be vulnerable. I was not safe to speak my truth. I had to start hiding things because if I shared that thing, it could be used against me later. And then, because I didn't feel safe, and then I'd start to go into emasculating as well, and start going into control, and start then criticizing him because I didn't feel safe. And then that criticism would then lead, like, trigger him, and then he'd like project onto me, and then it would end up in this abuse cycle. And it's a really just consistently abuse where I couldn't function, I couldn't think, I was couldn't really do my sessions properly. Like, I like finances were dwindling like everything was like so stressful and yet I was in the trauma bond because at the same time he could also be so loving and so kind and so nice one minute and then so mean and nasty the next and because what kept me there what kept me stuck for so long was that whenever I decided to create, like tried to pull away he would bring another woman into the picture and this is called triangulation and he knew that he would actually could actually get me back in some form by you know going to see another woman or talking about another woman or even pretending to be on the phone to another woman um and and like for so long I believed him as well I believed that there were all these other women and they, sometimes there weren't these women didn't even exist I later later on find out that so another thing
0: did he do this to create jealousy and to keep you hooked in basically and to play on your insecurity of like you know wanting to be the chosen one or wanting to be loved and not wanting to be rejected and that almost like the competitive sisterhood wound as well even like did that come into it
1: yeah so that would that was definitely there and the bigger thing was really about like wanting to be wanted and chosen and it's abandonment like not wanting to be abandoned and him going to another woman means like he's choosing someone else over me and and then you're like
0: you're trying to prove your value prove your worth and then like giving him all of your time and energy and just like wanting to get that approval yeah wow
1: and then, you know, as soon as he'd come back to me, because it, you know, it worked, um, I'd get that excited, happy, oh, he's chosen me. Like, I'm the chosen one. And then the, that night or the next day, it'll be shit again. And I'd be like, why did I do this? Why did I take him back? Like, why didn't I just let him go? And I'd be so upset with myself. And then the same cycle would happen. So and he would, I, he would yeah.
0: deprive you. He would literally deprive you of his love. And then use his love and affection and attention as manipulation to get you back in and then get you and then deprive you again and get you, then deprive you again. That was that that's a pattern. Yep. And that is how we get trauma bonded. Yeah, so that's the trauma bond, the push-pull dynamic. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, not cool. It's pretty full-on, and I think that there's a lot of people that are maybe listening to this thinking like, okay, that's shit is that me? Like, yeah, yeah. You
1: know, yeah. this
0: is a, this is very common. This is not that 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 you know we can quickly diagnose and label somebody as a narcissist because narcissism is a spectrum, right? Like, there's narcissistic yep. traits, but for the, there are people out there that have the disorder. But yeah, anyway.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good point that you've made is because I don't want anyone listening to this and going, Oh my God, this guy I'm seeing or this person I'm seeing is they're a narcissist. I think it's a very important that to know that we can't actually diagnose someone and say, you're, you're a narcissist and we're it's, it's people can have narcissistic behavior. So it's, it's the behavior that's narcissistic. And then um, it's very hard to diagnose someone because these people won't usually go. And someone that is has a disorder won't go go and get help. And they might pretend to get help, but yeah.
0: Like I've got <laughs> I've got clients, male clients in particular, who have been. They're like, you know, I've dated women who've called me narcissist, and I'm like, well, you're definitely not because you wouldn't be here if you were. And like, I can just see that yeah. they they don't have the traits, you know. So I think that like, mm. this is a very serious condition, and I I. I see the, the the sincerity of, like, the, the seriousness of it that I don't want to invalidate anyone who is in this experience with somebody who is a narcissist, whether you're a man or a woman with a male or female narcissist. And also mm. at the same time, it's important to be really careful not to throw this label out mm. and misuse it.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's an important point because when I was starting to have this narcissism come into my awareness I started and I was still with him at the time in this on-off dynamic I started googling it and I found like people kept talking about narcissists being really grandiose and think they're really selfish except this guy he wasn't like that he actually was quite insecure yeah and um he he wasn't really making big displays so he was um he had the behaviors of covert narcissism and what this means is that they uh they are they consider themselves special by association so and this is important because um to know because a lot of people that get in these dynamics who were like myself they feel really smart really empowered empathetic like and they wonder, how could I get in this dynamic? Why me? Like I'm strong and I'm independent and like I'm I've I've Same. yeah, yeah. It's like holy car-
0: like I went through this with um a spiritual teacher uh, who hmm. I, who who showed showed character like showed megalomaniac kind of um characteristics when I googled it Mm -hmm. so like I'm just diagnosing but no um (laughs) it's not about them it wasn't about her it was about me my codependency and losing myself in that and then the shame that I felt and you probably can this is what you're speaking into is that shame of like oh my god I went on Facebook live with like clown makeup speaking to Bruce for five minutes and I had friends from school message me to see if my mental health was in order because like it's, like, the shame that comes with, like, the revel- – this is what happened to me, but, like, the revelation of, like, holy crap, I really did believe this person in ways that, like, mm. the self-abandonment. Did you – is mm. that, like – did you experience yeah. that kind of shame?
1: Yeah, I felt the shame because of I – like, what? how could this happen to someone like me? And in my mind I imagined, oh, you'd have to be weak. You'd have be pretty weak to end up in something like this. How come I don't – I could have – I should have better boundaries – and 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 so what I want to say about that is that someone that is more covert actually looks for the person that is empowered that has some kind of status whether it be success or intelligence or looks they actually look for that person and someone that's really empathetic as well and they look for that person because then they get to be seen as special by being with that person and they uh, get their status up simply by being with them, but then they drag that person down and like they smash that person down so that then they get to have the power essentially. And that's are they what doing makes them feel good.
0: This, are they, sorry. Are they doing this consciously? Like, is that a conscious thing that they're aware of?
1: <laughs> My belief on this is that uh, they are not, not super conscious of it. Like they are, uh, like it's all, tra- it's trauma related. Right. So, they have experienced trauma in childhood, which has not allowed them to experience empathy. So the part of their brain that feels empathy is like not there, basically. They can't experience empathy. Therefore, they're doing what they're doing um, to get what's called supply and they don't feel bad about it. Like they don't they don't have empathy. They might seem like they have empathy, but it's not real. Yeah, so they basically what they do is they – um, they might pretend to be empathetic at the start and then like later on it's like actually that empathy is no longer there and it'll kick you to the ground and have this and, I, and for me that was very confusing because I'm super empathetic so um, and I would be like how can you not feel anything how can you not like care how can you it was so confusing and that's one of the things that happens almost like if we even think about like that it's almost like that it's the polarity of someone that's really empathetic with someone that has no empathy and the person that really has no empathy needs to learn how to empathy have more empathy and the person that has lots of empathy actually needs to learn to have you you know be more selfish and be more be more focused on themselves and their own boundaries and start saying no more and start like not losing themselves in empathy and compassion to other people essentially it's like like taking those pieces (laughs) that the like someone that's more narcissistic is going to be more about themselves and um is taking more of that and that's what I needed to learn is like oh what what is this person showing up in my, my life for me to learn in terms of what are the parts of me that I'm seeing this person that I don't that I'm judging and I don't like And it's actually like, okay, I need to be more selfish. I need to look after myself first. I need to have boundaries. I need to say no. All these things that I needed to embody and so that I didn't get lost in relationships.
0: And so – you know, this is all revelations that you're having in hindsight. Like while you're in it, you're unaware of any of this happening. (laughs) You're just like in this push-pull dynamic. This man is feeding off your success in terms of your sense of empowerment. And he's really like hooking into you in that and slowly pulling you down, slowly breaking you apart. And it's intoxicating. And so how bad did it get?
1: Yeah. Wow. Pretty, pretty bad. And I mean, I have no feelings about it now. So, which says to me, I've healed. And I've been like this for quite some time. Uh, so the, the main thing that happened was, uh, really every probably couple of days there'd be something that would happen for him to get triggered about. And when he got triggered, um, or when I wanted, like I wanted a need to be met, like I might ask for a cuddle, I want a cuddle. He would get triggered about, about that, and it was usually around something that I, that I loved and was important to me. That and because he knew that if I didn't get that need met, that I'd be upset, and then you know he'd just get, um, he'd just really just do just get triggered about things, and then what would happen is I'd end up getting locked. He'd lock me in my bedroom. And he would take the the door, like the doorknobs off, like the bedroom, take my phones away, sometimes smash my phones. I think I had to replace about five phones. Um, And I'd be locked in there for I don't know how long, for quite some time. But he would also come in from time to time and sit on me and hold me down, choke me, um, physically hurt me, And this is where like trauma had really happened for me because and and really where I um, felt like this whole trauma response of going into like, so what would happen is he would get triggered, I would get triggered, I'd go into, we'd both be in fight, I'd walk away. So I'd I'd run and and I'd go into flight. I'd go in the bedroom to like get away. He'd come in. He'd come and sit on top of me, and and I'd go into freeze, and I would be frozen. And like he'd be trying to like he'd be trying to shake me and like do things to like to away like to try and get me to fight essentially, like get me out of freeze and into fight because he wanted the fight, right? Because that's how we got supply. If I was like just frozen, then it was. Um, not enough supply for him he'd want me to get upset because that's what ha- that's where he gets his fe- the energy feeds off and then I'd go into fawn and I'd give him what he wanted I'd be like okay like okay like I'd be all loving and nice and try and please him and do what he said and and this could end up being sexual at times as well because I had this um it was like do I um fight and experience more physical abuse or do I do be sexual and even though I don't want to be like I allow it to happen because I don't, it's, it's easier than the physical the fighting energy for me so and that and that's what happens with often with trauma responses our fawn it, if none of our fawn responses are working if going if going to flight if going to freeze if none of those are working we'll often go into fawn and to just please and placate that person to get back to safety it can often be a last resort for people and that is the people pleaser it's a classic pleaser so that started happening and then i'd be like right i've got to figure a way out i've got to get i've got to get away and i planned this whole thing i had to like i got to the point where like he was threatening to kill me and i was like like it only happened a couple of times but there was a part of me that was like, oh, it's just a threat. I don't think he would ever do it. And then there was another part of me, I was like, okay, I think that actually like this could happen. And we'd had the police called a few times and he'd gone with the police. And then uh he had like he had he had eight kids and I was like, Oh, I don't wanna like, oh not he what about his kids? And they were like, oh me feeling bad about what if he goes to jail and then like what about his kids and all these things that like just this this pleaser in me that was and this being empathetic and not wanting him to suffer you know, all these things. And so <clears throat> I planned like this secret getaway and I had to trick myself into believing that if I went away, like to another state in Australia, that he would n- never take me back and that we couldn't see each other. And I knew I just had to find a way to get away. So I planned, I booked in a retreat, booked in a tantra bitty asymmetry (laughs) which is pretty wild now thinking about it can i ask you
0: one question about your where you were at right before you did this because i i can i imagine that there are a lot of women out there who may be stuck in this loop right and like from the outside looking in anybody who's friends with somebody who's in an abusive relationship like It's easy to be like, well, the easy solution is to just leave the guy. Like, why are you staying with him? So, you know, the mechanics of it is that he's getting his supply. There's this like trauma bond and whatnot. But what was going on in your mind that kept you in that relationship Mm. with him before you decided to do this thing?
1: Yeah. So this is the thing is that as much as we on the outside can say to someone, why don't you just leave? it's not it's not that easy and it's not that easy because we're chemically addicted and we pretty much have no control over that like there's something that happens in our brain that and this is the trauma bonding that that is addicted to getting those chemicals that that like the oxytocin the dopamine that pretty much we are addicted to so it's like a drug it's like that person is a drug that we're addicted and if anyone's experienced addiction you'll know how hard it is to just be oh it's like just give it up why don't you just give up that drug it's like or give up that addiction it's so much harder than it is And and that's what it is we're addicted to the chemicals that are being fed when we're with that person and the feelings they're like the it's like when we're away from that person, it's like, we're, it's like someone, for example, was, I've like, just given up her- heroin and they are having withdrawals. Like, I mean, I can't say that. I don't, I've not, not experienced that yeah. exactly, but I can't say, I don't know exactly what that feels like, but I, you know, th- I know that feeling of feeling withdrawals from something and like really just longing for it and feeling so sad and so desperate and like lost and needing that thing, like that hit, that hook.
0: And so are you sharing any of this with any of your friends? Does anybody know what's going on behind the scenes? Like, you know, you're getting locked in your room, your phone's mm. being smashed. Are you Are you confiding yeah. in anybody?
1: Yeah, so I had two friends, Um, one that lived um, over the other side of Australia, and I was so lucky to have her because I feel like if I didn't have her and have her support, it would have taken me a long, long time to get out, if, if ever, to be honest. So, and I had another friend who was there sometimes and she was the one that brought it to my attention was like, Hey, you're in a toxic relationship. I'm like, Holy shit. I am too. Like I didn't even realize for so long that it was even in a toxic relationship. And the friend, I would call her, um, the one that lived over in Perth, I would call her and, um, sometimes she'd be there when we're like in a, a, an argument or something. And I was like, I've just left. I don't know what to do. Like. And then I've, God, I felt for her though. I was like, to go through that, what, like, wow, what a champion. What a lovely champion friend to, to, because a lot of people will be like, you, I can't help you if you don't leave. And I it's get that. It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. I, I, so, yeah. Because so we're
0: sober. Grateful. We're sober from the outside looking yeah. in. I've had these own judgments myself where I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you staying in this relationship? It's easy. Just make a choice, you know? But yeah, you're yeah. addicted. And what is like the I guess the most unsupportive thing somebody could have said to you in that moment that would have mm-hmm. not helped you at all?
1: Well, it would have been why don't well, why don't you just leave? Like what are you what are you doing? Like um, or it would have been like just oh I can't like I think that actually I think that would have been the main thing and to have judgment to have that person really like judge you you like you're stupid for saying like that probably would have been the worst thing. Cause I already had that judgment on myself. I was already, like, yeah, I know I'm stupid. I, and I don't know how to, um, because what happens is there is, it's like, there's a split inside. There was one, there was one part of me that's like, yep, I know I have to leave. I have to leave. I know this, this is not right. This is not good for me. Like this real logical part of me. And then this other part was like this big saboteur of like and every time and I'd left so many times was just like and I've had moments where I'm like I've got this, I've left, I'm away. And then he's talking to me, connecting with me. And I'm like, sitting there, do I go? Do I go? Do I go see him? Like, do I? No, shouldn't. Like, oh, maybe I should. Maybe, no, don't do it. Like, it's like the angel and the devil. That's what it's like inside the angel and the devil. And that little, that chemical addiction overrules and goes, yep, go see it. And then 24 hours later, what did I do? Why did I do this? I'm such an idiot. Like, how can I keep doing this to myself? How do I leave? And so for people that are in these dynamics, there's a part of, them that is consistently usually thinking i need to figure out a way to leave yeah i know this isn't right and then the other part of them that's so addicted to it and so i want to say to anyone that has you know or is in this situation is that there is something outside of this and there will be a day when you look back and you're so free and you're so clear of it so if you choose to leave like you'll heal from the pain You know, you will find another relationship. There will be another relationship that is like a gazillion times better um, and someone that is loving and healthy. And because when I was in this relationship, I thought that like, what if I don't ever meet anyone else? What if this is it? Maybe, and I actually had this thought of like, maybe healthy relationships are just not for me because I've never been able to have one. And so I want to say that I've been in my relationship for almost three years. And it's healthy and it's solid and it's beautiful and it's stable. And um, like one of the things I used to say about my ex, I was like, my ex would be so great if he was just healthy. Like everything about him is really lovely. If he just wasn't like fucked up. (laughs) And my (laughs) partner, my partner that I have now is like the same nationality, the same age. i wouldn't say he he looks different but also like same nationality like there's similarities and he's healthy so it is possible for that for that to happen
0: Mm. yeah because (laughs) you became healthy you know, yeah, like you became exactly. healthy in your self-worth and and so yeah, talk me through the process. You got to this point of like, okay, enough's enough. You had your revelation. When did you like what was the moment that helped you sober up to the truth of what was going on?
1: Yeah. So I'm
0: really dissecting this because I'm just like <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's great. I love it. I love it. Um so the the moment, well, it was a series of moments. And I just realized that I was never going to move forward in life because he kept destroying all my stuff. Like I couldn't move forward in my work. I had opportunities waiting for me. I'd been offered a a TV show, um, an online TV show, and I found out that he had actually blocked their phone number in my phone because he didn't want me to do the show. And I also found it out of integrity because they wanted me to talk about DV. I was like, like, well, that would be totally out of integrity for me to do that. How can I talk about self-love? And because I was teaching a lot of self-love before we got together. And I was like, how can I teach self-love when I'm in this relationship? Like I'm not loving myself by being in this relationship. So I'd made this decision because it just happened so many times and, um, There was another woman in the picture and it just was there was there was a okay there was a point where I just started to see the lies there was like an eye-opening the series of things where I started like I'm um, I don't know if you talk much human design on this podcast but I'm a line one in human design I'm an investigator like I will find out (laughs)
0: human design is going to have its whole episode in this because it's becoming very popular um but yeah you're you're a line one you're an investigator investigator
1: and I'm also an intuitive woman and and so I feel stuff and so I just started to get suspect about things and I started to question the things he was saying are they actually true like hang on a minute like there were things and then I started to notice all the lies that he was telling other people right so if someone is lying to other people around you it's probably pretty likely that they're also lying to you
0: it's like what Sally says about Susie says more about Sally than it does about Susie
1: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah I love that exactly yeah and I said to him like I don't like the fact that you're lying to other people and then I so I just started to get I started to like be curious about my thoughts and and like be like have that a suspicious mind. Let's say about the things he was saying, and I was just like, "Is that really true?" Mm, like to myself when he was saying stuff. And when I started, and when I started started happening, I was like, "Oh, like I don't actually think the stuff he's saying to me is true." Like about what he was doing or what he was thinking and what I was about me, like. I was like, wow, this, like, i this is not the person, like, this is, this. yeah, this person is not uh, who I thought they were, like, this is, this person is actually, like, a full-blown liar, and so then when I saw that, like, it's like, none of his words couldn't affect me anymore, like, I, they just, was like, the stuff you're saying, like, it, it, this doesn't impact me anymore, the stuff you're saying about other women, the stuff you're saying about me, like, oh, and it was, it was great, like, it was just, wow so I would say to people to be you know this kind of dynamic is happening and you might feel experience that someone is projecting things onto you or um saying things that are really hurtful was to be curious and suspicious of that because it's probably not true and then um there was a final time when I I was like right I'm I'm leaving and then he got really angry and, and smashed my car window and and then, you know, there would be like threats, like I'm going to go to the gangs or I'm going to um, I'm going to kill myself. Or I'm going to, so like pulling that those strings, those heart strings, because he knew how empathetic I was. I didn't want to be responsible for something bad happening. And then I just got to a point I'm like, that's not my responsibility. Like, that's what I was thinking. So that's what I was thinking. I didn't say it because if I was to say, I kind of had to play his game for a little bit. Like I had to be like oh okay like yeah like so I had to pretend like I had to start like taking on some of that to just just for safety reason I had to pretend to go along with things a little bit while also planning my escape yeah so I had to keep being this you know this empathetic person until I could figure out, out like how could I get out of this safely and do it without um with the least repercussions as possible, which which meant um, him being a time when he was around family, where it felt more safe for me to leave um, and me planning to go away and be out of the state and to go no contact as well and to be able to be in a position where I'm around other people so I can get company and connection from someone else or some other people in a, in a healthy way which is why I went to a retreat um so that I could get those any addictive tendencies like I could for for you know oxytocin and dopamine I was getting that in other ways and that was really supportive for me
0: so at the time did you have the awareness of what was going on chemically or is this just like was was connection leading you
1: I didn't have mm, I don't remember having the awareness about the chemical addiction because at that stage I hadn't realized what the dynamic actually was.
0: It was more just like, I need to be around people to support me
1: in this. I can't like I can't I can't do this alone. Yeah, because I'd tried doing it alone for myself and um it hadn't worked. So I was like, what yeah. what what else can I do? And so booking a a retreat that was away somewhere else and being in a container, for a week was I and and investing the money like I'd been like secretly secretly um paying this money like paying off this retreat secretly yes yeah, so you, ha- you kept your own stash of money yeah wow yeah so I had I was fortunate that I actually I was actually the one providing that relationship like so I was um he was actually more dependent on me financially Um, but again that was a part of me that was a way like oh my god if we're not together how's he going to survive without me it was I'm now responsible to pay for him because he won't have a roof over his head and yeah so it was Mm -hmm. so that there I felt responsible for him and his well-being and you know he would say I'll end up on the street if you leave me where will I go well I can tell you he managed just fine (laughs) didn't end up on the street he ended up fine like well, None so he of ended stuff. up
0: fine. Everything else was just in your head to keep you keep you there, because yeah. he installed yeah. doubt within you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, I could, I just had to choose that I can't be responsible for that if if that happens. Like, and he did. He ended up fine. He ended up um, moving back home and being with his family, and probably finding someone else to do the same thing too. Unfortunately.
0: So yeah, you went to the retreat, you got away and then how did you break the news to him?
1: So I actually broke the news before I went away. Yeah. And so, um, I ended up leaving him when he was, um, saying we were staying at his sister's temporarily and I ended up leaving in the morning and I said, this is it. I'm going, All all the stuff was packed in the car already. And I drove away and he got really angry like really angry and I drove away I drove away about I don't know it must have been a kilometer and then I and then that devil in my head was like what are you doing go back And I, was, and then and I was like no this is your freedom this is it you've planned this out if you go back you're going to not go to retreat you're going to like everything you've planned for this last month will have been a waste of time if you go back and in that moment, the devil won and I drove back and I walked up to the window of the house and his face showed up to the window and his face was like a demon. It was like it was like the demon had possessed him or something. And I was like, What the fuck am I doing? And I got in that car and I drove around the corner and I parked in this car park and I called my friend and I said to her, I've relieved, but I like I'm so torn and she just took me through this process and in the process we found this wound um the wound of I'm not wanted and I just sat there and I started crying I started crying and it was just all this like this feeling of not being wanted not being chosen like and I just like all this grief like just started pouring out of me and I started the car and I Drove 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 for two hours, um, and I arrived at this place that I was staying for a week. Not not the retreat space. This is another place I'd booked, and I stayed there the whole week. And I maybe had a tiny bit of contact with him, but the energy was so different. Like, like I felt so detached, and I felt like, not, like I've done it. Like I've I've done it. Like I don't feel the same. I just didn't feel the same. I did block him. And then I um, had checked a voicemail and there was, and I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, I just don't feel the same. Oh, I don't feel to contact him. I don't feel. And then I went to this retreat down in Melbourne and um, he also contacted me once while I was there to say that he was meeting up with this other woman. And immediately was like, that's not true. He's made that up. Like I just knew, like I know what he's doing. Like and I was like, and even if it was, I wouldn't care. Like she's going to go through exactly the same thing. Like he, she's just another supply. She, she, so um, to have that feeling that that was the freedom, to have the feeling of like being detached and then being around this beautiful group of humans that <clears throat> were so supportive and I got some healing while I was there. Yeah, it's a lot.
0: It's a lot. I'm just like yeah. fully feeling that and also feeling for um women who have are currently in that space Mm, it's a lot and I know you've processed your trauma around that and so you're able to to share this story from a really um healed place which is amazing but like yeah it's a lot it's a lot Mm.
1: yeah yeah and I have a lot of compassion for those that do go through it it's really it's yeah it's really it's really hard and I I would never wish that on anyone like that is just one of the the worst experiences of my life without a doubt and if people are listening to this and and resonating to it then or perhaps they know someone who is then obviously it's going to probably bring up something for them and um, what I do want them to know is that you can like get out of it and move through it as well and also <clears throat> the one of the reasons i wrote my book was for that reason because you know i had the finances to go to a retreat i um i could book accommodation i had that capacity and i know that there's a lot of people in these dynamics that are financially dependent and that's one of the reasons they stay is because they don't have any money to be able to live because they're they're financed by their partners who are toxic. And so one of the reasons <clears throat> I wrote the book was for that reason, for the, those people that um, have uh, don't have the capacity to go to a retreat or they don't have the finances to leave, but they can at least start getting the healing through the book. Because in the book is the whole healing journey I took myself through, healing my wounds you know, um, putting in boundaries, like these these processes are in there. And if you can just alleviate some of that, that's going to help someone to start moving out of that dynamic. <clears throat> and I also talk about the things that I did start putting in place, <coughs> excuse me, um, is to start moving out of that. And and I think, that, you know, a big part of it is it just feeling like that we're not alone and that we're actually not crazy. And also – People that are toxic in this way, they'll often say the same things. And so when you like I talk about some of the words that he said to me and and other people like, oh I've heard so many people say, Oh, that's exactly what my ex said to me or my partner said to me. Like these are the same words. It's like, yes, this is these are these are commonalities. Also in there, I talk about like the red flags. Like what are the red flags to look out for with these dynamics? Because I think, you know, prevention is is like even not going into these dynamics and learning to like heal ourselves. So we're not codependent is the, probably the hugest piece because that's what our codependency is what leads us into these dynamics.
0: Yeah. Wow. And, and, and oh, codependency is coming from childhood stuff that we, you know, the enmeshment that we've experienced in our families. So it's like a full healing journey full spectrum healing journey with this because mm. there's extremes of codependency as well and it seems like that's the, the the lock and key the codependent attracts or is attracted to the narcissist
1: yep yeah 100 and look I didn't have any what I would say is severe trauma in childhood I didn't have abusive parents I have my parents were like super loving and so I was very confused about why, like, why have I attracted abuse in my life when I didn't experience um what, what would be deemed as abuse as a child? But there are things that still happen to us in childhood that we can take on that can lead us into these dynamics. So I was still codependent with people, like, needing to please my parents, needing to be a good girl. Yeah, these were the dynamics that I had growing up was that, I like, please my parents, be a good girl, behave. And um <clears throat> I did also and I talk about this in the book, you know, there was things like the dynamic of when I would be naughty as a child and I get a smack. And back when I was younger, like that was quite normal. Like that was quite a thing that parents knew as discipline, like you smack your child, that was quite normalized. I think there's
0: still people doing it.
1: Because
0: mm. they inherited that, you
1: know. Right. Yeah.
0: And they think that that's just what's normal. It's a punishment.
1: Yeah. And so what would happen is that my dad, I'd do something naughty. I'd run to my room and then my dad would come in and he'd hold me and he'd give me a smack. And then I'd be saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like trying to like, please. Right. And I was like, that's the, the dynamic that I had. It's just on a much smaller scale. right?" It's, it's like the same dynamic. I run away, I freeze, and then I fawn. And that was the wow. same thing, yeah. Yeah, wow.
0: And so in terms of uh, like giving advice to anyone out there who's in this position, because it's predominantly women that experience this, but it's not ex- like men are not excluded from this experience. There are men out there who can. Mm. have this experience as well in a different yeah. way yep so what advice would you yep. give to a human um, <laughs> yes who are in this position read the
1: book <laughs> yeah read, the book
0: yeah, yeah read yeah. the book
1: um and look it's it's you can get it on kindle it's pretty cheap um i wanted to make it that way to make it more available and if you know if finance finances like i've got no finances at all just message me like, send me a message on Instagram. Like, I'll give you a copy and, um, or on Instagram Facebook. What's your Instagram handle? Um, EJLoveOfficial.
0: Well, I'm going to include all of your contacts in the bio as well. So anyone listening on Spotify or Apple or whatever, just have a look at the bio. There'll be ways to contact EJ on that. Um, mm. And the book's Becoming the
1: One. Yeah, Become, become the One. Become
0: the One, sorry
1: that's all right I, it was going to be, it was going to be called becoming the one and then i changed it to become the one and now there's another book someone else wrote called becoming the one so it's probably quite good that it's I called it become the one <laughs> become the one i like that yeah, yeah. heal yeah. your love wounds and find your inner soulmate that's the that's the, and then it ends in a um what's called i call it in a, or a self-marriage ceremony um, and that's about like really loving ourselves first and committing to ourselves first.
0: I really love that that resonates with mm. me so much and so you know you've you've had this book out there for a while now. What are some of the life-changing experiences readers have had from this book?
1: Yeah so I the messages that I've received have been about um, you know, changing like what they attract completely like people that have, have finally like, attracted a healthy relationship for the first time um being able to heal from past relationships is probably one of the main things and that's really what the book is being designed for is like just to just to like to heal the past relationships so that we can attract differently and i think that is essential because otherwise we'll just keep attracting the same thing until like the universe hits us with a smack a a truck we get smacked and smacked around to be like okay when are you going to heal this thing um I think what's the saying in the universe either tickles you with a feather or hits you with a Mack truck something like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's so true though because like the lesson or the yeah the lesson doesn't go away it reveals itself in another person or another experience or another situation until Mm. we integrate and learn it'll just keep showing up
1: yeah yeah I like the way you explain it that's great
0: (laughs) yeah like it's like the temptation you know I've been I've in my experience, it's been like a different person showing up in a different way in the temptation zone. It's like, okay, this isn't actually what I'm looking for. So why am I accepting this in my experience and my reality? Yeah. And then healing that part. But yeah, I love this, that it's an unraveling, it sounds like, and I haven't experienced the level of abuse and trauma that you have through your relating experiences. But, you know, my relating experiences have been different, which has led me down this path of like, Helping men and women understand each other. You're helping, yeah. What are you doing? Let's talk about like your <clears> offerings
1: <throat> at the moment. So you're doing a training. You're supporting people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of things, and I went on that same path as well for quite some time. Not long after that, I started journeying into men and women and understanding the differences. I was really like obsessed with Alison Armstrong for quite some time and all her work She's and. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think I reckon she'd say yes to being your podcast too. if She hasn't already. I'm Sorry gonna reach out, out to her. Yeah,
0: I will. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, she's amazing. I met her a couple of years ago, and and yeah, she's just beautiful. And um, so yeah, so that part I did that, and then i really worked in the sexuality of space a lot, and in, in neo tantra, and and now I've really taken all this work. Work. and I've, it's become its own body and model of work and drawing off things like also shadow work and attachment theory and um, embodiment archetypes and blended it all into uh, training to support people that actually want to teach this work Yeah, and so that's for people who've already done a bit of work on themselves and not, are not new to this work and are uh, feeling like they want to really be able to support others and this is the training that I wish I had when I started out or really started knowing that this is where I wanted to go. Um, another part of the, uh, that I've really come to embody that I think is what happens when we get to a point in our lives where we've actually done a lot of work on ourselves. Like there's a lot of self-expression play creativity that wants to be birthed. And that's really my experience now. Like my, I have such a healthy, stable, safe and secure foundation internally within, within my relationship that my soul is like, I just want to play, I just want to connect, I just want to express myself, I just want to create. And that's what gets to happen when we do have, you know, really healthy relationship with ourselves is like there's so much more freedom in just showing up and uh, like being and expressing and creating in the world. And so that's something I really weaved into the teacher training is like, how can we actually bring more self-expression and creativity and play into the way that we relate and, and connect and experience, be able to experience deeper intimacy as well. Because sometimes I think this work is really serious. It gets really like, ah, it's like, oh, so much more work to do on ourselves. And I've been really in the exploration is like, how can we actually bring play into the work and actually heal through the play? And um, yeah.
0: I Love that. I like looking at it like a game. It's like, okay, another trigger. What is revealing about myself? How am I gonna up level and get to the next level? You know, like Yoshi's story, for example. I don't know why it just comes to my mind, but it's like this yeah, it's a game. It's a game. Yeah. It's a game to to return back to ourselves and to create. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. I like that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and always being in the curiosity. That's the thing that I'm big on is like just always being curious and curious about ourselves, curious about others, curious about our desires and what we want. So, yeah, so I have intimate relating and embodiment teacher and facilitator training that's in person in, in Queensland. And, yeah, there's one happening um, in November and it's followed by four months online. And then also I have a conscious sexuality training coming up in February, which is down south in New South Wales. So,
0: so for listeners yeah. in the future, this is November 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. November 2022. And then February is, say that one again, February. 2023.
1: 2023, the conscious yeah. sexuality practitioner training.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conscious (laughs) Sexuality Practitioner Training, that is February 2023. I love that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there will be ongoing ones as well, so. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's what's present now. We're currently in September 2022. I imagine this is going to be on on podcasts for years to come. It is. We're going to really take a lot of gold from this conversation.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah, and I also get going I also mentor one-on-one as well people in the space who are you know wanting to work in the intimacy relationship sexuality space so that's um you know outside of the trainings that's something I also also do as well
0: yeah you've been working with Sarah for a bit which is cool I've noticed a shift in in the way that yeah it's just awesome so what will people get from this like I've had people reach out to me and they're like you know, how do I get to become an intimacy coach? And I'm like, I don't know how to condense and curate the years of like work that I've done within myself. Cause a lot of my work is a lived experience. Mm -hmm. And then I've gone through like little, you know, just where my heart has led me to do these little programs and courses that are what has helped serve me. But now you've done this, like you've created, you've curated a whole training. So like, Mm -hmm you've basically created something that these people who've reached out to me would really value and benefit from who want to do this work the easy way rather than going about it the long, hard way, which is like not not, not, not to discredit your work, I don't think it's easy at all to do this, either, by the way, because I imagine that the training would be quite yeah. concentrated and would bring up amazing um transformation for people. um. But yeah, who's this for who what will they get from it?
1: Yeah, so it's for people that have already done work on healing themselves in regards to intimacy and relationships and they have are either already working in the field or they uh, want to be able to work in the field and they want really support to make sure that they're working in integrity to make sure that they're embodying their work to give them more tools practices processes to be trauma informed Um, and also it's um it's like wanting to have the permission to be able to do what like share things like so often in my experience from my experiences I did a lot of trainings and courses and I would just um I would bring those what I was learning and I was you know making it my own and bringing it to my clients Um, but sometimes I didn't really know exactly what I was doing. I was just, I was just weighing it and figuring it out. Whereas like having a training, this is like a training of like, you get to learn how to do all these, do all the, facilitate these practices and tools and, and do, um, you know, a lot of it is based on group work and, and as well as one-on-one partnered, it's, it's it's like how to actually facilitate and, and you know, what goes into facilitation as well and, and as well as coaching. So having that behind the scenes as well, as well as being really supported to get out there and do the thing, like having like someone and people that have been already leaders in this space, having that peer support from them. If like, oh, what do I do with this client? Like this is coming up for this person. Like how do I, what should I do with this event? Like you know, how do I make all of this work? And like if I had this, I think <laughs> – When I started out, it would have saved me a lot of time and energy, and I would have taken the action a lot quicker because I had like one thing I'm very big on is like encouraging people to get out there and do the thing. Like, let's do this, let's get out there. Any doubt, any uncertainty, any fear, like, okay, like, let's work on that and let's move you into actually showing up and sharing your work. Because I really believe that the world, we need more people teaching and, and guiding and intimacy and relationships. I believe that everyone needs. A coach or a facilitator workshop in this space because that's how we like come together as men and women and people we like and, and get closer and connection and right now that's what really what the world needs we've been so separate for so long with everything that's happened it's um time to come together and have relationships that are really healthy um and to be able to like not, not be in relationships that aren't serving us
0: yeah I totally agree. I actually had a doctor reach out to me and said that a lot of his patients coming in are really affected by what we've experienced over the last couple of years and relationally more so. Yep. And he doesn't know what to do with them. He's like, yep. they go to a psychologist. The psychologist doesn't isn't informed on relational stuff. Yep. Like, and then they go to a sexologist and the sexologist is, you know, orientated towards sex. And so it's like, yeah, it's really interesting that it's a specific way of relating and there's there's tools. It's a skill. It's, it's yep. a skill. So it's present, mm-hmm. it's happening, and no one's alone in this, and I think that's really important if people are listening and you're having, like, relationship challenges and you're, you know, on social media looking at all these highlight reels. Like I was that relationship on social media. My relationship looked like it was thriving My ex with my, with my ex-partner. But yep, behind the, same. the scenes, <laughs> it was fucked. So yep. you're not alone. You, yep. yeah, there's so much healing that can take place from picking up a book, like become the one or doing the work. And if you've done the work, then joining something like this to support other people in, in developing stronger relationship yeah. skills and intimacy skills. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah and thank you for doing the work Sam and supporting those people as well like it's so important yeah and sharing all of this and you know Mm. creating spaces for other teachers and coaches facilitators to share their work
0: thanks for Mm. acknowledging me yeah this podcast is my intention is to support as as many people as possible with as much information as possible to To journey and develop their skills and relationships so thank you for Mm. sharing your story because I know so many people who are in this position or in the position you were in are going to benefit so much from the depth of detail that you shared and also just Mm. the, the the vulnerability which I mean it doesn't feel like it's vulnerable for you to share this anymore it's just really like um intimate it's just an intimate story Mm. so thank you for sharing so intimately with me
1: oh my pleasure thanks Mm. for giving me this space.
0: and thank you for listening so for those of you who are wanting to get in touch with ej i will share all of her contact details in the bio it's ej love official on instagram and ej love on facebook and yeah i will catch you on the next episode thank you